Welcome to Fireside Nets, episode 186. We are your number one Nets podcast for news, information, reactions, breakdowns, inside sources. I'm Spen. He's Pete. What's going on, my man? How you doing today? Good. You know, uh, got a little egg on my face uh, from the trade deadline. A lot of things that I thought was going to happen did not happen, but uh, overall, Good week. Not too bad. Have to shovel a little bit, so I'm not happy about that. What about you? Yeah, I live in an apartment complex, so I did not have to shovel at all. And this is the one one of the only days of the year where I'm thankful I don't have a house. And then every other day of the year, me and my wife just wish that we owned a house. But uh, that'll come in, in, in due time. Just like the Brooklyn Nets success, it'll come in due time. So I want to go back, Pete, to last Thursday. The deadline was at 3 p.m. And Nets fans were just were, were frustrated. They're like, what is Marks gonna do? He hasn't done anything. Ba 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 ba. So I think it was announced. I don't know if you remember the time, but the first trade from the Nets was around like 11 a.m., right? Something like that. I, I don't have the exact times, but sounds about right. Sounds about right. And the first trade was Spencer Dinwiddie, your boy. Gets dealt to Toronto in exchange for Dennis Schroeder. I believe Thaddeus Young was also packaged in that deal. We ended up dropping his con. uh, We waived him. He's going to sign with Phoenix. Um, And Spencer Dinwiddie is going to sign with, he signed with the Lakers after he was bought out by the Raptors. But we acquired point guard Dennis Schroeder, 11-year vet. So, Pete, I'm going to swing it to you. Your first thoughts when you saw this trade go down. Uh, obviously, I knew this trade was going to happen, right? Everybody knew this trade was going to happen. We just didn't know where Dinwiddie was going to go. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I was pretty upset for two reasons. One, we didn't get Murray. And two, I feel like, man, I wish I could have thought about Schroeder coming to Brooklyn, but it didn't seem like a, a thing that was kind of realistic a couple weeks ago. I think that kind of got everybody by surprise. I, I was mostly shocked that out of all the places Toronto would, would, would take the contract, because of this. And I'm going to tell you why I'm a little upset at Marks, okay? Look at this deal that we just helped them do. They have to get money off their books. They have to re-sign quickly, right? They're dying to get a contract off their books, and we just help them. We don't get anything back. So my initial thoughts, frustrated, angry, and wishing we got Murray. All at once. I, I think that's fair. I definitely was let down in terms of you know, when you're expecting an Xbox 360 for Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whichever holiday you celebrate, and Canadian Boxing Day, and you receive a Nintendo 64 or a PlayStation or a much older gaming system, if you will, you're going to be a little bit disappointed. And that was how I felt. You know, there was a time, Pete, where I would absolutely love Dennis Schroeder to be on the Brooklyn Nets, right? You know, those years when he was killing it in Atlanta, he pretty much took Jeff Teague's position at that, you know, during his come up to, uh, 
I don't want to say greatness, but but to sort of solidify himself in the league, he was the sixth man for Atlanta during those playoff runs. He he eventually became their starting point guard, and he had a, a few good years where I would say, yeah, hell yeah, I would welcome Dennis Schroeder on this team. He's always been a competitor. He, he's always played well wherever he's been. Um, but, you know, Toronto, one of the worst teams in the league. Schroeder not having a, a great season with them. So, yeah, it definitely was a little bit of a letdown. And, and you talk about, um, you know, you, you talk about Marks helping out the Raptors. Uh, and and you, you you just hit me up on the side. What Which series did Schroeder kick our ass in? In the, in the playoffs, what series are you referring to? Uh, it was first round way a couple years ago. I think Collins was the coach. They knocked us out in the first round. He he just I just remember him having like a great series against our ass. Uh, I actually went to the game that I think that they won. Uh, they got eliminated, and that was the whole like bone goal when the Nets kind of gave away that uh that shirt that instead of saying one goal there was a B the Brooklyn B next to it there was one team bone goal. I vaguely remember that. I think you paid way more attention to the Nets during that period than I did, I did. Uh, only because I was I was in Massachusetts in college. I had to pay attention to the Boston Celtics, and they weren't good at that point either. This was when they were like the shit Boston Celtics before. This was right after they dealt KG and Pierce. Mm. <laughs> anyway. Hey, I was going to so, say, any other about, the, about Schroeder or whatnot? Well, I, I, I'm happy with the contract. Are you happy with this contract going forward? I am. I like the contract. I know he has one more year on his deal after the season. So if that's a contract that we need to move uh, in the offseason for a big name, we can because there's one more deal on there. Whereas Dinwiddie we would have had to do a sign and trade. It would have got a little sticky because he was a free agent at the end of the season. Is that correct? Correct. 100% okay. correct. There you go. Um, once that feeling of sort of being let down settled and went away, I started to think, okay, Schroeder is, he's still, he's not an old dude. He's 30 years old. He's got a few years left in the league. And we just were at a point where no matter what, we needed to get Spencer Dinwiddie off this team. He was starting to fight with Nets Twitter. And I think, I don't know if we had talked about it in our last show. It might've happened afterwards, but like a day or two before the deadline, Dinwiddie was going at it with every single account on Nets Twitter, Netcast, um, I can't think of any others, but but he was basically trying to defend himself, being like, guys, whatever you're reading about me wanting to take a bite, he was going at Nets daily. Those, those were the types of people he was going at. Um, well, I get, he basically I get back said, on that. Yeah. I, got, I got info on that okay. one, actually. You'll get, you'll get back to me on that, but my, my, my yeah. point is he felt the need to defend himself. He talked about how he always has to guard the best player on the team. He's guarding the best forward on the team. That's why his offense is going to drop off. He seemed like a, a desperate guy who was trying not to have his reputation sullied. And there had to be some truth to some of those reports. If he's, it's one of those things. If it's not true about you, you just, you just stay silent and you're like, you know what? I'm not going to let these people talk about my name, but I don't know. There was something with the way he defended himself that maybe it wasn't all true, but I thought there was a little bit of truth to some of those reports. There was a lot of bit of truth. Uh, just to, for the next daily part, uh, there was a report that if they couldn't trade him, that there was going to be a buyout possibly in place. And he was kind of going against that. And right. uh, yeah, yeah. And talking about the whole thing, he made a very good point because you know what? I went to the Dallas game last week that we'll talk about a little bit later. And he was on Luca for a lot of the game. So in th there's been lots of pictures and stuff saying, oh, look, Spence is covering so-and-so. The other team's the best player. 
like that. There is some truth to that. You know what I mean? Overall, it, I, I don't want to say it was desperate, like you said, but it was sad, though. It definitely was sad for me. Yeah, and and the one thing, Pete, is look, we as fans, we get upset, we get angry when we don't think that a guy is giving his all. And there were moments this season where it just flat out looked like Spencer Dinwiddie was checked out. I'm not saying it was all season. I'm not saying it was every game. But did you did you feel that way too? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, you know, I'd love, I'd love to run defense for, for the guy, obviously, but, uh, yeah, there was a lot of times he looked, uh, it looked like it was a personal feud going on. And as we can tell from this point, it looks like it was, I don't know why you'd want to sandbag your own value if you wanted to go to a winning team, but, uh, I I don't know. There's a lot. We don't know. I know a little bit. The public knows a little bit, but we don't know the full story, but he definitely was, uh, playing not up to his level. I think we both can agree to that, right? hundred percent, hundred percent. We can agree. And we both only know what we saw and what we saw was a guy we know is capable of handling the rock scoring from the perimeter, you know, averaging double digit assists in one season, averaging close to 20 points per game in some seasons. He was a shell of himself this year for most of the season. Now, the one thing Pete, and and I'm going to get back to the the Schroeder trade in a second is I don't want to let, the end of Dinwiddie's tenure with the Nets ruin his overall reputation. I'm not going to let that happen. Spencer Dinwiddie is an all-time great Brooklyn Net. You're going to get he fired is. for that. <laughs> I, I'm going to get – good. I hope I do. He is. The, the The franchise has not been along that – or they have not been around that long enough. Or that long. I, I can't speak today. It's, you know, what was the first year in Brooklyn? 08, 09? Uh, 2012 was the first year in Brooklyn. 2012 was the first year. So in 11 seasons, I would say Dinwiddie's a top three point guard for the Nets. It's probably Kyrie. Well, I guess it'd be James Harden, D'Angelo Russell, and then Spence. Uh, Which Spence? What? You? But no, so so – as frustrated as we got with Dinwiddie this season, I guess my, my point to saying all this is let's not remember that like it wasn't like a James Harden situation where the guy was here for a year yeah. and then he quit on the team, right? It wasn't like that. Dinwiddie's been here. We whatever happened that first go around, he he signed uh with Washington and he was done with us. This go around, we traded for him, we gave up Kyrie, one of our best players, to bring him and Dorian Finney Smith Dorian Finney Smith back. Dinwiddie was our guy last season with Ben Simmons out. He was he was running the show. This year, his role was a little bit different, but I, I just I always want to look back on on Dinwiddie's you know stints with the Nets and just think like I'm glad that he was a Brooklyn Net. He needed this in his career, and uh, one might one one could argue outside of that Dallas season when he played great in the postseason, his best career basketball was played in his first stint with the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, absolutely. You know, he goes from getting drafted into Detroit, not getting a really good shot, becomes Sean Marks, maybe first like pet project of trying to, you know, mold some shit into gold. It works, right? He winds up re-signing with the Nets on a very team-friendly deal. A lot of people forget that. He could have made a lot more money in the open market, but he felt like he owed something to the team, owed something to the franchise, okay? That happens. Uh Winds up not staying with Brooklyn, goes to Washington, doesn't work, goes to Dallas, 
Obviously, like you mentioned, comes back to Brooklyn, and he finished fifth all time in three points made. You know that 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 does says a lot. That does say a lot. Part of me is a little happy that he he signed with the Lakers and that he's going to get oh, to Lakers play. Fan, bro. He's, he's a, a Lakers fan. He's, he's, he's from the Los Angeles area. I, I've I've talked about this on uh, on this podcast before. I went to a game. The Nets played Atlanta a few years ago. I think it was the year that Kevin Durant was hurt. So Kyrie played a few games that year, but the Hawks played the Nets and Kobe Bryant, the late great Kobe Bryant was in attendance and Dinwiddie had like one of his best games of all time. And after the game, I remember seeing him, he was talking to Kobe and I think maybe Gianna and he was, he was talking to them about, you know, he just, how much he loved him and how like that was the game that he wanted to perform well in right with Kobe in attendance. So it's just kind of come full circle for him. Um, he gets to go play with, with LeBron, one of the best players of all time for the Lakers in his hometown. He was a fan. So what'd you say? And D'Lo. And D'Lo. So the, the Nets backcourt from four years ago is reunited in, uh, in Los Angeles. Just a cool story. And I'm glad he didn't go back with the Mavericks. I kind of like the fact that he's like, you know what? Like you guys traded me to Brooklyn. Right, I'm not just gonna go sign with you. Like I'm, I, I, you guys did not like me. You didn't value me the same way that I, I thought I should be valued. You traded me for this guy who's in your starting lineup. He's in and out of your starting lineup because his availability is the worst. Kyrie's banged up worse than my grandma is half the time. So shout out to Dinwiddie. I'm I, I, low key happy for the guy. Oh, I'm high key happy, happy for him. And uh, you, you know what? It was very yeah. close uh, about a deal in Dallas. The game that I won, I sat behind the Nets bench a couple, you know, I've already said that, the Dallas game. At halftime, he just talked with Luca the entire time. He was not warming up. He did not, he was not ready to, to play a game whatsoever, it looked like. It looked like he was more interested in talking with Luca. I, I think there was a lot more of a chance of him signing with Dallas than, than what's being made out to be. But overall, love him being a Laker. And I guess they're my West Coast team now, this year, maybe, kind of, I don't know. Do you think he's going to be nice there with with D'Lo, Reeves, uh, and LeBron? I guess those are the four ball handlers, right? Oh, absolutely. You don't think they all talk? They all talk. It's like, I believe he was recruited. I would I would be shocked if he was not recruited by LeBron. That would be shocking right. to me, right? Like, let's be right. let's be honest, right? All these guys talk. D'Lo and him had a talk. Everything's already worked out. It's going to be fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna root for them. I think I have to. I think you got it. And Dinwiddie's your boy. Um, I, I love I him. I love him in the second unit there. I, I think that yeah. the Lakers put too much on Austin Reeves's plate in terms of like, all right, we want you to run the offense. We want you to score. We want you to create. Like, no, get him off ball. Let Dinwiddie run point with that second unit so you can have D'Lo. You can have LeBron on the bench. Maybe occasionally you have a D'Lo Dinwiddie second unit that just fucking cooks on the perimeter. Um I don't know, man. The Lakers might be my West Coast team if it wasn't the Warriors, but they're they're up there. All right, Pete. That wasn't the only trade. Wasn't the only trade that the Nets made on Thursday. Uh, probably less than an hour later, it's announced that Royce O'Neal is traded to the Phoenix Suns in a three-way deal with Memphis. I'm not going to highlight every detail, but basically Royce goes to Phoenix and the Nets get three second-round draft picks and Kata Bates-Diop. Pete, what did you think of this trade by Sean Marks? Uh, my first thought was, why Phoenix? 
why are we helping the team that we own their draft picks? That was a little confu- another, you know, little head scratcher for me because you would think we would want them to fail. So giving them a player that we know is probably going to help them like Royce would seem counterproductive, right? I, I, I don't know. But I, am I happy with the haul of three seconds? Yeah. Uh, I got the three seconds over here if you're interested in me listing them of who they're from because it's, it gets a little confusing. Let me hear in 2026, the second rounder is burst of Milwaukee, Detroit, or Orlando. That's the most confusing one. And in 28 and 29, they're Memphis picks. Okay. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, we traded a first for Royce O'Neal back in the day, right? That's correct. A, a Philly first. So – Here's how I look at this trade. Um, I'm, I like the three second rounders. I like that we took Kata Bates D up in the deal. Just another guy we can look at to see if, if it makes sense for him to grow with Brooklyn. Um, when we acquired Royce O'Neal, Pete, it was for a completely different team. It was for a team with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. I think James Harden might have already been on the team at that point. And no, he was, he was, part he was of not. That, that, the pick was part of the James Harden deal. That was one of the picks we got from James for James Harden. Okay. Okay. So he wasn't, but he joined um, knowing that KD and Kyrie would be there. And, you know, that was his role. And when we traded away, you know, we, we, we did the trades last season and we got Mikhail and Cam and, and Spence and DFS. It was kind of awkward to figure out what Royce's role was on the team, because now you have this three and D guy in Dorian Finney Smith, him and Royce, they, they sort of do the same thing. I know Royce is more ball dominant and, and DFS is more off the ball, but their, their value add to the team is extremely similar. And it just, I, I give Royce so much credit for being such a consummate professional. Every single game he showed up, he did the exact opposite of what Dinwiddie did. Like whether he got 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever time he got, he did not waste his time on the court he would hit timely threes he would make smart passes his basketball iq for a role player was extremely high and um i'm i'm happy i'm not happy that we're helping out phoenix that that i'm annoyed with but i'm happy to see him go to a team that he can thrive and he can kind of do the role that he was brought to brooklyn to initially do oh yeah you nailed it on the head this guy was like a swiss army knife for us he was the backup point guard a lot of times last year when you only had two ball handlers, basically Dinwiddie and him. He was initiating some of the offense, which he probably shouldn't have been doing. He he guarded the five in certain games, which is insane. But as you know, it was com- a common uh, sight here in Brooklyn. Uh, there's not too many 3 and D players that could cover the five, right? This guy played a very special role on this team. He was a Jock Vaughn favorite. And... Uh, Man, I, I, I would love to say I'd wish him success in Phoenix, but I don't. But uh, I hope <laughs> if he goes to another team, I hope he does well because he definitely gave it all for Brooklyn. You can't can't knock the guy's hustle. Best pump fake Ever. specialist of all time for the Brooklyn Nets. I, I mean, he'd, yep. he'd have guys he'd have guys flying to fucking Staten Island when he would pump fake. It was insane. All right, so before we grade Sean Marks, I do want to talk about the guys that stayed with the Nets. Were you surprised that Dorian Finney-Smith was not traded or a guy like Nick Claxton was not traded? Uh, all right, man. 
So I got to go on a little bit of a rant right now. I talked a lot the last month about Nick Claxton possibly being traded because I'm looking at this salary sheet. People are talking to me in DMs. They're like, man, it looks like he might get traded. And I'm looking at all these, these cap numbers, and it looks like, man, it looks like he might get traded. There's not a lot of places that kind of needed a center of Nick Claxton's caliber, per se. But, man, like it would make a lot of sense if they moved off him. And I, I don't know what deals were available or not, but if you were going to trade this guy or you had to do it now, now going into the offseason, he's probably going to get a huge deal and you're kind of forced to resign him because you can't lose a guy at 24 years old who is a defensive player of the year-esque guy for, for nothing. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith talks of two first-rounders, one first-rounder, a high first-rounder. And it looks like there was a deal on the table for two first-rounders. We wound up keeping him. Uh, total mismanagement. I think that's the worst part of, of Sean Marks' tenure as far as this trade deadline. You had a couple of deals to be made, and you didn't pull the trigger, which leads me to believe either you totally boondoggled this, one, or two, you have someone that you're actually targeting, quote-unquote. But that's a lot of ifs then, right? Because you got to hope this guy's available. A lot well, of ifs. Been- I like it. We- We've been talking about these trades without context, Pete. You know, we've been talking about them in a vacuum. And I think that you, you bring up an excellent point. We need to we need to break down what Sean Marks' goal is. What's the end game, right? The Nets want to go big fish hunting again. So they don't want to give up too many assets in terms of guys like Dorian Finney-Smith, who might be a great role player with a superstar. That, I think, might be the hesitation on Sean Marks' part to – because, look, we we still haven't been told, hey, we're going to try to rebuild. No, the word has been retool, retool, retool. And we're going to retool by accumulating draft picks. We're going to retool by getting some stopgap players such as Dennis Schroeder, Trendon Watford, potentially Dorian Finney-Smith. He could be a stopgap player. We don't know yet. Um, But that – seems to be Sean Marks and Joe Sy's endgame. They don't they do not want to be the OKC Thunder. They don't want to be the Utah Jazz. They don't want to suck for a few years. They want to be competitive within within the next two to three seasons. And they want to keep assets like Dorian Finney Smith, who, you know, let let's face it, when when Dorian Finney Smith is the fourth or fifth best starter on the team and you have guys like Luka Doncic or Donovan Mitchell or LeBron James, he's a valuable player. Now on a on a terrible team in the East where your best player is Mikael Bridges at this moment. Like Dorian Finney Smith's value is, is a little bit less, right? He's just not, it's different when, when, when you play with, with talent like that. So that's, that's kind of a reason why I think Sean Marks is hesitant to move on from the Nick Claxons of the world and the DFSs. I think that's fair, but, um, but man, if you could have gotten two first rounders for him, Man, why why not pull the trigger? Why why not? I, I don't think uh, we realize as fans with the new CBA how valuable first rounders are. Maybe now after this deadline, we're seeing like, wow, there was not a lot of deals being made here. This is like the first trade deadline we really didn't see like a star being moved in you know in maybe even forever, right? Like this is this is interesting. We've always seen yeah. guys move around, not a lot of movement, not a lot of excitement. And I think that's because of the value of a first rounder going forward is so much higher than what it used to be. 
I mean, everybody was a buyer. Like nobody wanted to be a seller at this deadline. Even even the bad teams like Chicago, they want to compete, right? Like Detroit was looking to pick up veteran contracts. So I, just a weird trade deadline. Um, I want to grade it. I want to give Sean Marks a letter grade. I'll go quickly. I think it was a C. I'll give him a C. I don't want to give him a D or an F uh, because he was able to move on from Dinwiddie and, and acquire a guy like Dennis Schroeder, who's a little bit better than Dinwiddie right now for this Brooklyn Nets team. And he was able to flip Royce, a guy who really didn't have a future with this Nets squad for three picks, which however you look at it, three picks is a decent amount, which you can again later move if you want to want to trade those picks. So, but, it, but there, there was nothing that changed drastically with this team. That's been, you know, the Nets have been a mediocre basketball team for most of the season. So that's why he doesn't get higher than a C for me. I would give him uh, man, I'm somewhere stuck between a B minus and C plus. I think I'm going to give him a C plus just, just going off the top of my head right now. If Schroeder winds up being like, you know, like a godsend to this team that he just, you know, the energy is just exploding now. And, you know, he brings the right vibes. I would change it to a B minus, but overall I'm looking at the long picture and, uh, Man, disappointed. Do you think that Sean Marks has put us in a good position to go after a guy like Donovan Mitchell this offseason? If he's available, like, sure, you kept all your picks. You kind, you kept an asset or two that could help you. You didn't lose too much. Uh, the Nets are in good position to get a star as early as maybe the trade deadline this year, right, in a couple months. But overall – we know this, this quote unquote, it's called this league for a reason. And I use it, you know, the quotes on the side of it, because we don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if a star is going to be available, you know, a year from now, two years from now, two days from now, these guys just pop. It seems like it just popped up all the time and randomly. So it's, it's really, man, he's really betting on the future on a big if. Do you feel comfortable betting on a big if? Cause I don't, I don't like no, it. I, I hate it. I, 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 just because Mikhail Bridges and Donovan Mitchell have a relationship does not mean that it's a foregone conclusion. He's going to, he wants to be a Brooklyn net or he's going to be a Brooklyn net. Uh, I fucking hate it. I hate the fact that we had some success in years past with, with a few superstars that decided to come play in Brooklyn. All of a sudden we're going to sacrifice the here and the now. And, and, and we're basically going to try to, you know, luck out again with, with that type of player falling into our laps and I look at our crosstown rivals, the Knicks, and I think, Pete, how many times did New York get burned because they thought LeBron James was going to come there or they thought Kevin Durant was going to come there? Like, can't we kind of take their mindset and, and, and try to, I don't want to say build the right way, but just build in a way that you're getting better each season. I don't think that this Nets team is any better than that second half Nets team from last season. And that bothers me. Absolutely. There's no progress. And if you want to just sum it up in a way, this is how I would look at it. It looks like we're flailing in the water. We're moving our arms. We're trying to move. We're trying to get out of the water. But we're not moving anywhere. We're just wasting energy in one spot. Right. And we think that jacked lifeguard uh, who lives in Cleveland is going to come throw us uh, a raft. And he's going to come bring us to safety, right? Exactly. I, I like how you added on to that. That was, that was pretty good. <laughs> But you're right. Oh, um, you're right, though. It's 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 fucked, but it's right because you're really hoping someone's gonna come save you. And the thing is, there may not be a guy that wants to come save us if your team sucks. 
Right. And that guy who eventually might be the one asked to save you might not be a great lifeguard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did want to point, you know, before we move on to some game recaps real quick, uh, there was a Sean Marks quote that I just, I really didn't like, and I don't have it in front of me. I'm going to paraphrase, but he basically said something along the lines of like, we made moves to the point where we believe we're going to put a sustainable competitive product on the court. And in nowhere in his quote, did he use a word like win or like victorious or successful. And, and I hated the quote because he was basically saying, yeah, like we're going to be good enough to not get blown out, but don't expect winning anytime soon. Yeah, we're going to be mid. We're gonna, it's the torturous spot in sports. You don't suck and you're not good. And that's where the Nets are. All right. I think, I think we got everything out of that trade deadline analysis. That was pretty good, right? Yeah, I'm right. good. Shout out to Shout out to everybody who stuck with us for that that segment. I uh, I enjoyed that. All right, Pete, let's get into some game recaps. We're going to go over three games real quickly before we look ahead to the Boston Celtics. Back-to-back we have going on. Uh, first game's tonight in Brooklyn, second game's tomorrow in Boston, but we'll get into that in a little bit. First game I want to talk about, Pete, was a Brooklyn Nets victory, 123-103 to 103 over the San Antonio Spurs. This was Dennis Schroeder's debut. He did not disappoint. He looked great in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. Uh, really a wire-to-wire victory for the Brooklyn Nets. What were some of your takeaways from this game? Schroeder, right? I, I think the, the play of the game for me was when he was inbounding and he just threw it up for Clax and he just dunked it down. They had, what, 0.4 seconds left. Just threw it at the hoop. Clax caught it, dunked, perfect. And uh, he's officially our new inbounder, according to JV. Among other things, <laughs> I, I loved his game. And I, I just, you know, sometimes you just need a, a small change to get guys going, to get the energy back in the locker room. And it just seemed like if Spencer Dinwiddie and Dennis Schroeder were to play one on one, I think that Dinwiddie probably wins that. Would you agree? If he's not in a Nets uniform, yeah. Right, right. But just, just from a talent standpoint, I think Dinwiddie's yeah, a better absolutely. player than Schroeder. I think yeah, Schroeder. Absolutely. I think Schroeder is willing to do anything this team asks at this moment more than Dinwiddie ever was this season. Um, You know, he came off the bench. He got guys involved. He was aggressive offensively. Uh, He, you know, he's finished with 15 points, 12 assists. Uh, He hit a few threes in there. Uh, Just, just a really strong performance. And, you know, this comes a few days after Ben Simmons said something like, I think I'm better starting, right? I want to start. Well, Ben Simmons better watch his back because Dennis Schroeder looked really good against San Antonio. And, and obviously, you know, he's not going to play this well every night, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure if, if uh, I want Ben to be the starting point guard at the end of the season if Schroeder continues playing like that. Why don't you play them both together? Can you? Is that, is I don't that something know. you just, That's a great I question. Know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they play if they play well together, but uh yeah. I liked what I saw from Schroeder. Um, Cam Thomas was nice in this game. Twenty, uh, he was a plus twenty-two. He had twenty-five points to lead the Nets. Nick Claxton really strong outing against Webanyama. Twenty points, eleven rebounds. He looked motivated in this game to show up. And then finally, Mikael Bridges fourteen points, six rebounds, three assists. An okay game for him. 
Uh, he wasn't, he was, I'm sorry, four, yeah, 14 points. That was, that was his total. Um, but overall, good win against a crappy Spurs team. You needed it because you had just lost three straight. Any other takeaways from this game, Pete? This was a must win, and they got the win. Flat out, that's it. They Flat needed out. this game after the trade deadline. The chemistry that Schroeder had with Claxton and Mikhail Bridges was extremely promising. I do want to say that. Max, All right. It's one game, but we'll see, right? Next game. Let's go. Next game. All right. So I'm not going to do it how I usually do it. We're just going to go the last three games in a row. So we talked about San Antonio. Now we're going to talk about Cleveland real fast. Uh, this was a fucking blowout. 118-95. Cleveland had their way with us. But, Pete, I'm going to look at, at this from a positive standpoint. Great audition uh, for Nets fans to watch the future Nets star, Donovan Mitchell, ball the fuck out. 27 points for Mitchell. Uh, he just absolutely owned Brooklyn. Every single time he touched the ball, it just seemed like he was a step ahead of us. And this game was never in doubt. Uh, nobody on the Nets really showed up. Mikhail finished with 26 points, so so he was the high man. Otherwise, everyone else was just kind of mid in this game. Yeah, I like Jalen Wilson started, right? That was good. Yeah, yeah, I was – well, this was the game right after the deadline, right? So we had Schroeder, but he wasn't in uniform. So guys like Jalen Wilson, Noah Clowney, even Keon Johnson got some run. I really like what I've seen from Jalen Wilson so far, this like these last few games. Love him. Man, he Can hit the three. Go ahead. Right? No, you, you go ahead. I want I want to hear what you what you got for Jalen. Yeah, man. Just this guy hustles his ass off, man. Like I you know like the whole thing. Man, he's a rookie, Pete. He's a rookie. Of course, he's going to be trying hard. Yes, I get that. But he really does not try to force his shot. I think he only took eight shots the entire game, which is you know what I kind of I gotta respect it because a lot of times rookies get into the game. And they want to show that they could shoot and they, they can make shots and they could be in the lineup. And the fact that he didn't in 40 minutes, it, it shows a lot that he still hustled and was trying to affect the game in other ways. I got I to gotta give him props. I think he has a great motor. I think he has a really, really high IQ for a, a guy who's not necessarily a point guard. And I love that. I love when the Nets get guys like that who know the game, who can understand the game, who can be in the right places at the right times. The thing I'm surprised about, Pete, I didn't know that he can he can hit the three this well. I know in college that was an area that he he struggled a little bit, um, but it seems like he's hitting at least one or two every single time he's out there. Yeah, uh, he shot well his last year in college, but before that I believe he was working on it. But, uh, man, that was the whole thing. If this guy could hit the three, he's going to be a nice player. And it looks like we might have gotten a nice little steal here. But let's develop the guy. Let's see what else could happen next. I'll tell you this. He's been a little bit more impressive than Clowney when they've both seen the court. I have, I've seen Jalen Wilson make an impact on some games. I have yet to see Clowney make a real impact uh, in the NBA yet. Well, I got to stop you there. Okay. Look, look at the age difference, right? One guy's what, 19 years old. The other guy's uh, was a senior, what, like 24, I think, I think Jalen Wilson is. So that's why you're going to see that. You, you got to give Clowney a little bit more time, but I understand what you're saying. Okay. I, I got you on that. I'll be a little bit more patient, man. I, I, I promise. I'll, I'll work on that. I'll work yeah. on that. All right. And we get to the last game I wanted to talk about. Uh, 119-107 against the Dallas Mavericks. We took the loss at home. Pete, you were at this game, so I'm going to let you break it down. What the fuck happened? Uh, it was the Kyrie show. It was the Kyrie and Lucas show. I, both of them put up ridiculous numbers. 
Kyrie put up 36 points, hit six threes, five assists. Doncic put up 35 points, 18 rebounds, nine assists. Uh, man, you just it was just a Kyrie and Luka show, and you had that big dunk by Kyrie that unfortunately yeah, was about three, three rows from, and, uh, man, it was just, uh, I don't know, getting rid of the demons, I guess, of Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. That I think we can move on from, from that story now, I hope, at least. So the alley-oop dunk that he had was insane. I just, it came out of nowhere. Um, I, I, no, he, I was at the, no, I'm a hater, bro. I was a hater. I yelled it. There was a lot of, by the way, there was a lot of Nets Twitter in the crowd right by my section. I thought that was kind of cool. I yelled when he did that dunk. I said, it wasn't that cool. Or some, I said some shit like that. But were there were there more boos or cheers for Kyrie to start the game? Uh more cheers. I was surrounded by Dallas Ugh. fans. I was surra- I had a Dante's jersey in front of me. I had maybe I think the crowd was maybe man, maybe 60 40 Nets fans, but the 40 of the Dallas fans were extremely loud and they happened to be like they happened to have their seats right in the first couple rows it, it felt like it, it, it was uh, it was not good. It was not good. This was Dinwiddie's last game as a net. He finished with nine points, five assists. He was four of eight from the field. Didn't do much. Whatever. I, I mean, you know, listen. We talked about it. We've now lost to every single member of the big three against their opposing teams. The Suns have beat us. The Clippers, I think we're like one in four now against them with our only win. Oh, no. Two. Two, two, because we beat the Suns. We beat the Suns and the Clippers. Suns and the Clippers. So that was, yeah. So uh, I think we're two and and four against them. Um, Yeah, because we lost to Dallas twice. And we lost to the Clippers and we lost to the Suns. So shitty loss. um, But I think we can move on. The one thing I forgot to mention about that Cleveland game, the fake Jared Allen-Ben Simmons fight was extremely funny. I, I just like... Shit like that, you know. Simmons throws him to the ground. Jared Allen runs at him and like sort of like 30% pushes him. Ben Simmons does not react, just kind of smiles, laughs, end of sequence. It, I, it was it was so genuine because like Jared Allen had to react that way. He had to when you get shoved to the ground by somebody, but neither of them, there was like no animosity. So it just, I don't know, it was a funny moment. It almost looked like Allen was smiling when he pushed him too. These guys ain't no killers, you know what I mean? Like they're, 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 they're not no like killers. guys that are gonna be like going out of their way to to ruffle feathers and stuff. But uh, but I don't know. It brought memories for me at least. It brought memories of that old uh, Sixers Net series right before Seven Eleven came. Yeah, and that was my thoughts on that. Yeah, that was uh, Jared Allen versus um, versus Joel Embiid, and then Jared Dudley did the yeah the thing with his head, which. I don't know how I feel about that now, but at the time, I, Nets fans loved it. <laughs> uh, all right, Pete, let's look ahead. So we got Boston at home. Then we have Boston on the road in Boston tomorrow night. What's your prediction? Two L's. We lose by a combined of 30 points the next two games. So here's what I hate about this game. The, the Celtics are coming off a pretty strong win against the Heat. But there was some animosity at the end of the game between Jalen Brown and Duncan Robinson. And Jalen Brown seems like he's he's playing with a bit of a chip on his shoulder after that. Jalen Brown always kills us. He is all like for some reason, he just murders us when he plays us. So I have a feeling he's gonna pop off. He's gonna go for like 25 or more. 
Tatum's going to get his 25. Um, I think that we're going to put up a fight. I think it's going to be a closer game because we are getting healthy. Dayron Sharp's going to play tonight. Uh, Schroeder, Ben Simmons, those guys are in the lineup. So I think that we put up oh, a fight at that. home. You didn't know that Dayron's back? Yeah, I did not know that. Okay. Yeah, I believe I believe he should be back. So he'll give us a little bit of an energy boost at the five off the bench. But I can see this game being close. I think it comes down to the wire. I think we lose by single digits. And then in Boston, I, I think that they mollywop us. Can I change my uh, my answer? Sure. We lose by a combined of 25 points. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'll give Dave five points. You went from 38 to – oh, you said you – okay. From 30 to 25. 30 to 25. All right. All right. All right. Me and Pete both think it's going to be two L's for the Nets – but uh, yeah, that just about does it for this week. Pete, any any announcements uh, that you want to share with our fans? Uh, Thursday, I'm dropping a new episode of Net Fans. You know, uh, it's the third installment and the final installment of the trade deadline series. Wow. I got my guy Kool Aid joining me, and that's nice. it. I'm dropping I'm dropping episodes every week. I'm dropping them like hot shit. Check, Check out, out Nets fans, Nets fan. You know, uh, Nets fans. You know, that's our sister podcast. Uh, sister. Pete hosts. Well, yeah. What's wrong with that? Brother, You're the brother. I like brother. I like brother. You call me a girl. No, I wasn't. Okay, sure. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't know that you wanted to. You know, you wanted to get into the whole gender gender gambit, but I, I would. <laughs> you want? I'll be. I'll be the sister podcast. I'm fine with that. Um, yeah. So tune in to Nets fans. You know, check out Pete's third installment of the trade deadline series. I have an upcoming stream with Bleacher Report at I think 12 p.m. on Friday. I need to double check that, but uh, download the Bleacher Report app. I've been doing some streams with them this this month. I'll be talking about the Nets, pretty much everything. Uh, so check that out. Again, Friday, 12 p.m. EST on Bleacher Report. Otherwise, thanks to everyone for listening to another edition of Fireside Nets. This is episode 186. I'm Spen. He's Pete. And tune in next week uh, to listen to more Brooklyn Nets stuff. Catch you on the Fireside. Oh, you said it.